His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not, ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciple word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet, and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. And when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed, <clears throat> excuse me, un, showed unto the chief priests and all the, all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now, <clears throat> because um, we are, I guess as Baptists, and I don't know if I can blame all Baptists this way, but I know that I'm always this way. I, I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit mixed when it comes to holidays or traditional things, because on the one hand, <clears throat> um, we don't have a lot of uh, like traditional things. That's why I get the schedules even out of order. Because when you do something uh, every week the same, then it's easy. But when you change it up, it gets a little more difficult. But we kind of like changing it up. Because sometimes routines become simply that. They're just routine. And they lose their meaning and they lose their significance. Um, some churches have the Lord's Supper every Sunday. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible doesn't say that you can't do that. But I think those who do, it, it would have the tendency to... Um, become so commonplace that we kind of forget the real meaning of it. Now, having said that, at the same time, I love holidays. I, I really do appreciate Easter. I, I can appreciate traditions. <clears throat> I appreciate um, a lot of things about the Easter season. <clears throat> but those, um, I was thinking about this, those that grow up in our church... Um, if you grew up here, probably some of you, if they asked you what is Lent, you would have no clue what to tell them. Because uh, honestly, your pastor doesn't even really know what it means. Um, I know it has something to do with uh, 40 days or <clears throat> something like that, and they give up things. And 
but it's never been something I've practiced. So I'm, I'm a little ignorant of it. Um, there's other traditions like that that I, I don't know much about. But I really do like to celebrate on a weekly basis the resurrection of Christ. You know, that's why we meet on Sunday. It's because He arose on the first day of the week. And I like to celebrate it on Easter when we can really focus on what Christ did for us and the resurrection. And so, um, like I say, I'm a little, I, I'm not a traditional kind of person. That's not me. But there's things about tradition that I think are good. I was just reading this morning in my devotions about the feast in uh, Leviticus. I think I'm in chapter 22 or 3. And it talks about uh, the, the Jews had seven feasts every year. And God instituted that for them <clears throat> to remind them. There was Passover that reminded them of coming out of Egypt. And there were all those kind of things. And so I just want to say that um, when we come to Easter, it is a special time. It's a special thing because if Christ be not risen from the dead, Paul says, then our faith is in vain. And it's something that we know every week and we know all the time, but it's, it's a special thing to recognize and to worship and to celebrate and to commemorate the fact that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. In this scripture that we read, I, I tried to outline it, and I found four things that just kind of helped me make our way down through the, through the text. <laughs> Thank you. They heard my voice going hoarse, so as you did. So here's the four things I'm going to look at with you this morning. First of all, we'll see a group of ladies. Then we'll see a great lesson. And then we'll see, um, what's the third one? A group of ladies, a great lesson. Oh, the most important one. A greeting Lord. And then a great lie. Those are the things I see as we read this scripture. First of all, the group of ladies. You look again at verse number one, it tells you that on this early in the morning, on the first day of the week, it says in Matthew, as it began to dawn, there came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And so we know that there were these two ladies, both named Mary. Um, I think it's Mark that adds the name Salome or Salome, however you say her name. So there was at least three. Luke just simply says the women that followed him from Galilee. And John focuses mostly on Mary Magdalene. It seems like uh, if there's, there's always kind of a leader, right? And in this group of ladies, Mary Magdalene seemed to be the kind of the instigator, the leader, the initiator. And you go to the disciples, of course, it's Peter. Later, the, the angel will say to the ladies, go tell his disciples and Peter that the Lord is risen. But here we see this group, group of ladies. Now, we say there's, there's at least three. There's probably some more. 
but uh, we don't know how many, but by all accounts, we cannot really commend them for their faith. Because they're going to uh, a tomb on the third day, you know, after he was crucified. And they should have known that he wouldn't be there, right? Now, you know that we're, we can't be really th that hard on him, but, but let's be honest for a moment. Jesus had said repeatedly that he was going to die and that he was going to rise again. And I, you know, I kind of wanted to give the, these ladies, because I really appreciate the ladies, I'll, I'll, I'll say in a moment, though, though we cannot really commend them for their faith, we can commend them for their love and for their loyalty. But as I was thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe they just never really heard that part or paid attention. And honestly, I don't know if that's, if we can give them that. Because as I was thinking about it again, I was, you know, we were reading and when Jesus was even on the cross, they, the rulers of the Jews mocked and said, he said that he would, you know, he said, destroy this temple and in three days he would raise it up. And when they, when he was dead and they put him in the tomb, they, they begged that they could seal the tomb because they knew that he said he would rise again. So I am saying that these women should have known that. They should have known that their errand on that day was futile. But, like I say, we cannot really commend them for their faith, but we can commend them for their love and their loyalty. Because let's contrast them for a moment with the, the disciples, the eleven. They didn't go to the tomb that morning not because they had more faith than the women. They didn't go because they thought there was no use because he was dead. And so, um, these women are commendable in the sense that they were there at the cross they were there in the garden when they put Jesus in the tomb. And here they are again on the day of resurrection. And they came because simply they loved the Lord. Now they had gathered spices to anoint his body. Which again you might say, well you know, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they had done that. Um, I don't remember the exact amount, but the Bible tells us that they had bought, uh, I think it was over a hundred pounds of spices to put on the body before they put him in the tomb. I don't know if the ladies said, you know, well, the men did that, but men don't know how to do that, you know. They couldn't have done it right. We're going to go and do that right as soon as we can. Perhaps that's what they said, I, I don't know. But they, they didn't get to participate on the day that Jesus died, and so they wanted to go and, and put some spices and anoint his body with some ointment. This was the custom of, of the day. And so they, they go with these spices, and they go early. It's the first day of the week. I might as well drink that since they brought it to me. Uh, which, you know, it means that this was the... You know, we talked about it Thursday. He had died, and then there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and there was the weekly Sabbath, and 
And, you know, they weren't permitted. They couldn't have gone before. But here we are on the very first day in which they could have gone. And at daylight, before daylight even, they were gathering stuff. They were making their way. In other words, as soon as possible, they went to the tomb. So, so they had a zeal. They had a desire. They had a, they had a passion, uh, a love, and a loyalty for the Lord. And so I appreciate their devotion. They also had, as they went, a doubt. The doubt was who's going to roll away the stone. They wondered about this because, um, you know, it, it sort of shows a little bit of their naivety. Uh, that the fact that they were going to uh, get there and, and, you know, the tomb was sealed and the stone was there. But somehow they, they were just so intent on doing it that... Uh, they, they set off not knowing how it was going to get done, just going to do it. But what they had feared, they never faced. They feared, of course, this stone was going to be kind of insurmountable for them to be able to, to roll it out of the way. And there was no men around to help. I mean, the guards probably weren't going to be much of a help. So they were wondering about this, but they got there, and of course the the stone had already been rolled away, right? And you know, I think that uh, it's sort of almost kind of emblematic, is that the right word? Maybe not. But it it kind of makes me, it kind of makes me think about the fact that when it comes to death, we as believers, the things that we might fear about death, we won't face. In other words, uh, you know, death for the believer is not something that we need to be fearful of. And we know that, and that's only true because of the resurrection, right? It's only because of Jesus that you and I uh, really can face death with, uh, without fear, with a great confidence. I was thinking about how just even our, our terminology... The world uses the term, the one I hear all the time nowadays is, is somebody passed. We used to say they passed away. Now they just shorten it to they passed. But you know that kind of term, what does that kind of indicate? Well, it gives the idea that they've passed into history. They're, they sort of fade away. You know, they're just gone. And that's for the world. I mean, that's uh, not a term that I think is improper for them to use because in their understanding, that's all there is. This life is for now and then it's past. It's gone. But we don't use those terms. All we, may, we might say it, you know, out of just sort of to fit in, to not be uncomfortable. And, and when you're talking about an unbeliever, what are you going to say? But aren't you glad when a Christian dies, we can say they went home to be with the Lord? Or you can say, uh, like Paul said, he said, my departure is at hand. <laughs> a departure just simply has the idea of you're going to leave here, but you're going somewhere else. And that's what death is for the believer. It's simply a departure. It's simply a, a journey And I don't think it's a very long journey. 
before we close our eyes here and open them in heaven. And so, their fear was not realized. And they got there and they learned that the tomb was empty. And so that's the, the group of women. The great lesson we see in verses 2 to 8. You know, as they approached the tomb, there was no doubt a sense of solemnness. I don't know about you, I, I used to like going into cemeteries. I know that sounds kind of morbid maybe. But how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand and admit it, but, but you know, you kind of like to, especially old cemeteries, right? Because it's just sort of interesting to read dates that are a couple hundred years old sometimes. And just think about, um, you know, these people, who they were and when they lived and how they died. But, you know, when you approach a cemetery, of course, there is that sense of uh, reverence, a sense of solemnness. And I imagine these women had this sense of, of course, this was someone they loved dearly. There must have been a sense of, I don't know what you call it, but, but just a, a hush, a solemnness about it. And they approach death the same as we do today. As you think about the ladies and you think about the disciples, I, I see these ladies kind of approaching it as many of us do. Death is part of life. It's something that happens and there's some duty you know, to uh, honor the dead, to remember the dead. I say that I'm not much for tradition, but I, I am kind of uh, old-fashioned. When many of us, when we grew up, uh, at least it was where I grew up, they had uh, funerals. They don't have as many funerals today. They had funerals and, and they had showings, viewings. My kids think this. I told them that I wanted to be buried. They said, buried? We'll just cremate you. I said, no, I want to be buried. And um, I talked about a viewing. They said, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> but, you know, I can remember going with my dad when I was a kid. and He knew many people in town and somebody would, would die. And he'd say, there's a viewing down at the funeral home. And, and they'd go and... They'd have a viewing that night, and then the next day they'd have a funeral. And you just walk by and pass by the casket and, you know, pass on your condolences to the family. They don't do that very much anymore. But the ladies kind of approached it with a, you know, they felt there was a duty to anoint the body. They felt there was a sense of, in which they wanted to say their goodbyes. They wanted to... Uh, go through that process. But then there was the disciples. The disciples were like, poor, perhaps more like our society is today. It was done. They, were, they just wanted to not think about it. They just wanted to move on. They wanted to go fishing. They wanted to just, uh, you know, not really be confronted by it. And we see that a lot today, right? People don't want to talk about death. They don't want funerals. They don't want to, they just rather not be around it. And I understand that. But these ladies came and they found something 
that they did not expect. They found that death, you can approach it either by ignoring it, you can approach it by uh, just realizing it is part of life and, and it's going to come. But the, the other truth is, they found that it's not the end. They found that when they got there, an angel had come and rolled back the stone. Verse number two. The earth had shake, you know, shook with an earthquake. And uh, this angel, it says in verse three, his countenance was like lightning, his raiment was white as snow, and he rolled back the stone. And, and I kind of get the picture, he just sort of toppled it over and then sat on it. Because it says he rolled it back and sat upon it. As if to say, that's what God thinks about death. As if to say, the tomb, you know, can't, can't hold back death when it comes to the Lord. Who's going to roll away the stone? Well, that was answered. The Lord rolled it away. He sent His angel to roll it away. And, and as you've probably heard many times, the angel did not roll the stone away so that Jesus could get out. Jesus could get out Himself without rolling away the stone. He, could, he appeared in a room with the disciples when the door was shut. He rolled away the stone so the women could look in. So that they could see that it was empty. And so, it's, it reminds me of the song, you know, we sing and I, I'm afraid I really messed up the song service, so I apologize for that. But you know the song says, Vainly they watched His bed, Jesus our Savior. Vainly they sealed the dead, Jesus our Lord. But up from the grave He arose, a mighty triumph o'er His foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and He lives forever with His saints to reign. And so, they, uh, they saw the angel, they saw the empty tomb, and then the angel told them, not only come and see the place where he, the Lord lay, but then he says, verse 7, go quickly and tell his disciples. You know, not only uh, do, we, do we worship and rejoice and celebrate the resurrection, but we're to go and share that message. We're to go and tell others that they might also understand the the message so there's the the group of ladies there's the great lesson then verse number 9 we see that the greeting from the lord it says as they went to tell his disciples behold jesus met them and said all hail now that's a funny greeting in the old english but Really, I looked up the word and it simply means, it actually kind of has the idea of rejoice, but it was a greeting, it was, it was, a, it was a greeting of, it was a glad greeting, a glad tiding. I think it was kind of similar to saying good morning. And so the Lord just simply comes and says, hi, good morning, <laughs> how you doing? And... He had a happy greeting. But it was, I want you just to think about it. It was Jesus that met them. I'm really glad that, you know, 
I, I suppose that if they had came and they found the tomb empty and, and you know, never, never saw the body anywhere, some would surmise that Jesus had risen from the dead like he said. But boy, that'd be kind of, uh, that'd sound a whole lot like a conspiracy theory or something, wouldn't it? Aren't you glad that they didn't just find an empty tomb, they actually saw Jesus alive. And the Bible says they, they took hold of His feet. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a spirit. He, was, he wasn't an apparition. He was real. And He was alive. And not only they saw Him, but the Bible records that over 500 saw Him at once. And we know the disciples ate with Him. And we know that Thomas felt the wounds in his hand and in his side. The ladies clasped his feet, those feet that had been bruised and battered and pierced. And so they knew it was the Lord. They, they not only beheld Him, they, they held Him. But Jesus came to them. And He greeted them. And you know, that's, that's what so many... I, I remember uh, in our church in Indiana, there was a guy that was a, just a dear, dear brother. He drove the bus that I worked on. We pick up kids for Sunday school and church in Indianapolis. And he was just a godly man. His name was Charlie Irvin. But Charlie, uh, Charlie woke up on, a, on an Easter Sunday. He wasn't a Christian. But he woke up on an Easter Sunday and he said, I'm, I'm going to go to church. He had no idea where he was going to go to church. He got in his car and he began to drive. And he drove back by the Charity Baptist Church. And he decided to drive into the parking lot. And he went into the service. And he went there just kind of not really knowing what to expect, just to take in an Easter service. And, and Charlie, that day, met Jesus. And Charlie now is with the Lord. But you know, many have come just sometimes for a, for a lovely Easter service and they meet Jesus. And I hope today, if any of you haven't really met Jesus, that you meet Him today. Because it's Jesus that comes to them. Well, we got one thing left and then we're through. And that's the great lie. We see in verses 11 to 15, after the, the tomb was empty, the, the guards weren't sure what to do. So they went to the chief priest, and can you imagine the priest, you know, asked them probably, so how's it going down there at the tomb? And they said, uh, well, actually it hasn't been a good night. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, uh, uh, the, the stone's been moved a little. Well, what do you mean the stone's been moved a little? Well, actually, it's, it's been rolled away and, and the body's, Jesus is not there. And can you imagine? They, they didn't know what to do, so they came up with this story. Let's tell this story. Um, say that the, while you were sleeping, the disciples came and stole the body. And I imagine they protested a little bit. Well, we can't tell people we were sleeping. We're guards. You can't be sleeping. They said, listen, we'll give you some money. And if it comes to the attention of the governor, we'll, we'll take care of that. 
well, we got to shut this rumor down that he's alive. You know, we have to, we have to make sure this story gets out that his body was stolen. And, and so that's the story. And the, so they agree. And I imagine they went down the road and somebody asked, so how, hey, tell me what happened down there at the tomb. Well, uh, well, we were asleep and the, and the disciples came and stole the body. And the guy said, well, okay. And then the next guy said, what happened down there? And they said, we were sleeping and the, and, the, and, the, and the disciples came and they stole the body. And the guy said, wait a minute. You were asleep and they came and they rolled this big stone away and they, they went in the tomb and they grabbed the body and they took off with him and all that. And, and you were still asleep? I thought, you know, boy, you're a good sleeper. And then the next guy says, uh, what happened? They tell him the story and he said, you want me to believe that? Yeah, that's what happened. The disciples came. Well, let me ask you this. You said you were asleep, right? Yeah. Well, if you're asleep, you didn't see anybody. How do you know what happened? Either you're guessing or you're telling a lie. And I got a better answer. The only logical answer, and that is, Jesus rose from the dead. And that's the truth. You see, man wants to tell, make some story, make some uh, account of how this happened, but the fact of the matter is, Jesus rose from the dead. And He's alive. And friends, He's coming again. And so, I just want to invite us again to worship the Lord. And of course, I, I know I'm talking here to those of you who know the Lord, but if there's somebody listening online or through whatever radio, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, Easter is all about the fact that He died for your sins and He arose from the dead. And Jesus said this, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And that's the wonderful truth. One day we are going to die. These bodies are going to die. But that won't be the end. We'll be with the Lord in heaven. Because Jesus lives, we too shall live. Let's pray.